Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. We've been talking about strong faith. Today I want to talk about the faith of Mary, the faith of Mary, the mother of our Lord. And I want us to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Our opening text says, and without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. The greatest events ever to occur in the realm of human experience is the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The world might disagree with that. They've got other things maybe on their mind as far as the greatest event is concerned. But as far as we are concerned, believers... Because we understand eternity, we know that the greatest events are found right here. The birth of our Lord, the life of our Lord, the death of our Lord, the resurrection of our Lord. Can you say amen to that? You agree to that? Absolutely. Well, the Apostle Paul called these events the mystery of godliness. A mystery is something that's hard to understand and to find out. Actually, in some cases, it's impossible And if it were not for a revelation given to us by God, we wouldn't have the ability to understand or know. Why? Because it rises up above logic and reason and understanding. Uh, You think about the mystery of the church. The church age was a mystery because it was never revealed before. But thank God we have a revelation of it because God gave it to Paul through Jesus Christ. Well, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, if something is above human understanding to, to know, it's out of our reach It transcends human reasoning, logic, and understanding. Guess what we have to do? What this verse says. Trust the Lord in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. Faith is of the heart, not the head. Faith is not dependent on circumstances or physical evidences or sense knowledge. Faith is based upon the word of God and what God said in his integrity. So we don't need our five senses to confirm that God is true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Let God be true and let sense evidences be beneath the the wisdom of God. Well, the mind has a hard time dealing with supernatural things. That's why the mind can't understand the parting of the Red Sea and how they walked on dry land. That's why the mind can't understand how you can take a little cruise of oil with a little bit of oil left in it and fill up so many that a woman can pay off her debt and also live for the rest of her life with her children and be debt free. That's why the human mind has a very difficult time understanding or knowing how three Hebrew boys can be thrown into a burning fiery furnace that killed the servants that threw them in. It was so hot, but they can come out unscathed without the smell of smoke upon them. Because the human mind has a hard time understanding how someone can walk on water, turn wine, or turn water into wine, Go fishing and get money out of the mouth of a fish, and so on and so forth. How can anyone multiply fish, bread, etc.? How can all these things happen? How can the sundial, the the shadow on the sundial, go backward? The human mind can't understand this. This is beyond comprehension. It's called a mystery. So we have to trust the Lord with our what? Heart. Faith is of the heart, not of the head. We've got to believe from the heart. Even though we may not understand it with our head. 
Look in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. The human mind has a difficult time understanding the incarnation. How can God become a man and then robe himself in flesh in the womb of a woman, a virgin? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art that, that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 6,000 years ago, an evil angel named Satan used the body of a serpent to speak to a woman whose name was Eve. His message completely contradicted the word of God. But it appealed to her logic and reason. As a result, she leaned toward logic and reason. She rejected the word of God. And she partook of the fruit of the tree. The rest is history. What can we learn from this scenario? Well, first of all, the devil doesn't change his tactics. His strategies are always the same. What did he use with Eve? God's holding out on you. Has he told you that? God's holding out on you, holding back something? What did he tell her? If you just live within the boundaries that God established for your life, you're going to miss out on so much by crossing that border or that boundary. Is he telling you that? Is he telling us that? You see, he said to her, there's so much more out there. Indulge yourself. Satisfy yourself. Don't be bound by these rules, by these laws. People of the world tell us all the time, especially if you're in a college setting where they just say to you, hey, whatever feels good, do it. As a matter of fact, we've carried it so far in our society today that you don't even know if you're a boy or if you're a girl. Because you see, it's up to you to decide, not parents to decide, or even what you look like to decide who you are. That's a decision that you've got to make up your mind as to who you are. Logic. Reason. Well, she, as I said, agreed with logic and reason, and she stepped beyond the boundaries. And what happened? The rest is history. Well, 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to a young virgin, and her name was Mary. The message that he had contradicted reason and logic. And Mary embraced the message that Gabriel brought to her. And as a result, she allowed her creator to use her body to provide a body for the Messiah. So she didn't lean toward logic. She leaned toward what? The word of God. What God said. So if we have an enemy telling us to step beyond the rules that God has established for our existence, we have a choice to make. We can lean towards logic or we can lean toward what God said. Mary leaned toward what God said. Now theologians call this what? The incarnation. They call it the hypostatic union. Deity and humanity coming together in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus meaning humanity. Christ meaning deity. Well, 
before I comment on her, I want to make a comparison. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 1, and verses 18 through 20. We know the story here, but real quick, I'll just give us a background. The priest's name is Zacharias. His wife is named Elizabeth. They are going to give birth to a son. His name is John. John's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, right? He is performing his duty in the holiest place of all in the temple. And it's an honor for him to be able to do that. And while he is performing his duty, and remember, this doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen all the time. This is his opportunity. This is his time. They, what they did was they drew lots. And this was his time to serve in that capacity. And it was the highest honor to do it. And so there he was. He's faithful to God. His wife is faithful to God. They did not have a child. All these years they wanted a child. They longed for a child. They prayed for a child. But they never had a child. But guess what? Gabriel appears at the temple, in the temple, at the altar. And there's Zacharias with this wonderful experience. And he says, Gabriel says to Zacharias, be of good cheer, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard and they're answered. And I've come to give to you glad tidings and great news. You and your wife Elizabeth will have a son that you've prayed for and longed for over all these years. His name will be called John. He's going to be great among his people. And you know what? He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so we pick it up. And Zechariah said unto the angel, I am elated beyond words. I can't begin to tell you how my wife and I have longed for this moment, longed for this day. We've prayed. We've believed God. We've fasted. We've dedicated ourselves. We've surrendered our hearts to the living God. And now you're giving me this great news. I can't wait to leave here and go and tell my wife what a wonderful day this is. Oh, for I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years, logic and reason. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel. I'm not as smart as you are. I didn't realize those things. I didn't notice your birth certificate couldn't understand how old you are no 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 he said I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I'm sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings and behold thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak and not able and until that the day that these things shall be performed because why? You didn't believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. He was silenced. He leaned toward what? Reason and logic. He didn't trust from the heart, did he? And Gabriel wasn't happy, was he? I came from the throne of the Most High and I have come to give you this great news and you respond 
with unbelief and you're a priest unto God? Now let's pick it up with Mary. Go over to uh, verse 29, I believe it is. Now remember, Gabriel just told her, this virgin, some things that defy lo logic, and we're going to read it. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Keep that in your mind. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, with all due respect, Gabe, I'm 15 years old. Uh, I just went to a class at CCJC, Community College of Jerusalem County, where I studied biology and reproduction. I kind of learned how this works. And, you know, I'm a spouse to Joseph, which means I've already signed my life away. I swore by an oath. I belong to him. And I don't think he would understand if I said to him being pregnant at the age of 15 that I got pregnant in this, uh, what, supernatural way? And there's my parents. I'd have to confront my parents and let them know and say to them, well, you know, some, I don't know, some being told me that I could get pregnant this way. So uh, they would be highly disappointed with me to find out that here I am. And, and by the way, don't let me leave this out, Gabriel. I could die. Because you see, back then, if you were a spouse, if you were engaged, you already signed your life away. You gave an oath. And if you're found to be unclean, you're taken outside of the city and stoned to death. So logic says... Really? But is that what Mary said? No. no. When Gabriel said nothing is impossible, what did Mary say? Behold, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. All that logic, all that reason was staring her right in the face. It gave her every reason to say, hey, not me, find somebody else. I'm already committed. I've been reared to be a holy 
pure girl by my parents. I don't want to disappoint them. I want them to be proud of me. I'm, I belong to Joseph. What would he think? He'll break his heart. Don't want to break his heart. You can't find men around it, it, Jerusalem anymore like this. You know, so what did she lean toward? God's word. She trusted from the heart, not logic. And as a result, God was able to use her to bring in the Messiah. You talk about the faith of Mary. We'll continue on. Look at the prophetic scriptures that were used. Isaiah 7, 14. Zacharias was ruled by logic. Mary was ruled by the word of God. Zacharias was a priest. Mary was a poor teenager. It doesn't matter what our status is. Every single one of us will be challenged whether or not we're going to lean toward logic or trust the Lord with our heart. In this verse of scripture, we have it prophesied 700 years before it happened. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Notice, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, not a good person, not a good model, role model, not a good teacher. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God who is with us. In the book of Isaiah chapter 9, Verses, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, humanity, unto us a son is given, deity, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is again a reference to the incarnation, the miraculous union of humanity and deity in the person of Jesus Christ. And then also in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, we have the fulfillment of the prophecy. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, humanity and deity, was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was mindful, minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so we know the Christmas story. We know what she believed. We know that Joseph now is on board. And thank God he has set things in motion. But let's back it up a little bit. This virgin, number one, had to meet certain requirements. Number one, proper genetic background. She had to have the proper genetic background. As a matter of fact, they both did. They were both a descendant of David. One, have you ever read through Matthew 1 and Luke 3 and just when you read and so-and-so beget so-and-so and so-and-so beget so-and-so and so-and-so beget so-and-so and said, don't interrupt me. So-and-so beget so-and-so and so-and-so beget so-and-so. I got to get through this. So-and-so. How many of you halfway through just said, oh, please. And then you thought, I'm going to start in Luke's gospel. You got Luke's gospel chapter 3. And you go, and so-and-so is begotten of so-and-so. And so-and-so is begotten. <sighs> Have you ever done that? 
Have you questioned the Holy Ghost as to why we've got these two genealogies here in the Bible? All right. I want to make this easy. Matthew's gospel takes Joseph all the way, Jesus, of course, supposedly the son of Joseph, all the way back to David through his son Solomon. So, Brother Chuck, if you don't mind standing right here, let's pretend I'm David. This is my son Solomon. He, King David passes on the kingship to son Solomon. And Solomon has children and children, a son of the, and each one sits on the throne of David. Okay? Well, I have another son. His name is Nathan. Dante, you're Nathan. Okay? They're both my sons, right? I'm David. This is Matthew's account. Joseph is in this line through David, Solomon, and then the rest. Here's a problem, though. We hit Jeconiah. How many of you, when you study the lives of the kings, find out there weren't too many good kings in Israel and Judah? They were absolutely out of their minds, some of them. Right? You studied it out, right? Why do you think that is? Satan brought them under siege. Because, you see, he knew if I can just disrupt the kingly line, I can stop the Messiah from coming into the world. And I can win. He tried to win in the gar it, 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 before the garden. He lost. He somewhat won in the garden, became the prince of the power of the air, right? But now he hears about this Messiah, this king that's going to come. And so he attacks the kingly line in Matthew. So Matthew lets us know that Joseph is a descendant of David through Solomon. When Jeconiah comes on the scene, he is so evil. He is so corrupt that finally God says to Jeconiah, no longer will there ever be any one of thy seed upon the throne of David. You're cursed. Well, Joseph is supposed to be, they think, the father of Jesus, right? And he's in the kingly line. Well, guess what? The devil thinks he succeeds. He gets himself a ticket. He flies over to Hawaii. <laughs> or Cancun. He's on a beach with his shades on, sipping on some fire water. Pina colada, whatever, I don't know. A virgin one. <laughs> and he goes, oh. Some of his emissaries are around him and he goes, success. We did it. Okay, Solomon, you're done. Thank you. Let's thank the Lord for Brother Chuck. Solomon here. And so now here we have the devil celebrating, takes a sabbatical, you know, not too much pressure of what's going on in the world today because you see his time is now expanded. The king can't come into the earth. And one day he hears, the king of the Jews has been born. <laughs> Thank you for that animation there. <laughs> Thank you.
wise men stop by and visit Herod and say to Herod, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And Herod says, oh, I don't know. We saw his star, they say, in the sky. Where does it, where does it? And he inquires of the Pharisees and the scribes and all those that should know, right? And they say, in Bethlehem of Judea, in Be that's where he's supposed to be born. Oh, thank you, thank you. We're off our way to see him right now to give him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're just going to celebrate. And he goes, and Herod, this, you know, the rascal that he is, he says, uh, well, when you see him, let me know where he's at so I can come and bow down and worship him too. Right. Sure, that's exactly what his plan is, right? Well, they say, okay, and they go off. And they find him. And he truly has been born. King of the Jews. Now the devil is stirred up. I mean, he has gone crazy. He's frantic. He's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. How can this be? How can it be possible that he could be born? He can't sit upon the throne because the lion's been cursed. Well, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. But Mary was the biological mother of Jesus. And Mary was of the line of David through Nathan... You mind, Ruth? You're Mary. <laughs> so David begat Nathan. Nathan begat so-and-so, and you can read this in Luke 3, who begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so. And, -so and, -so and, -so. and in Luke, it says Heli, and it says supposedly the father, but it's the father-in-law of Joseph, not the father of Joseph, because Mary is the one. Mary links Jesus to David and qualifies him to sit on the throne of his father, David the king. And that's why Matthew goes this way and Luke goes that way to show that God is smarter and wiser than the devil himself. This was a decoy line while God was mightily at work right here bringing about the Messiah into the world. Let's thank the Lord for them. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to show you that God is smarter than the devil. Remember this verse here where it says, Paul, where Paul was speaking, he said, My speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world into our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So while the devil's in Hawaii on his sabbatical, Jesus was being born in Bethlehem. 
God's plan was in operation from the word go. And he was not aware of it. Had no knowledge of it. Now, look at, Jer- look at Jeremiah chapter 22. Look at these two verses. As I live, saith the Lord, though Kaniah, the son of Je- Je- Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence, and I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of those whose face thou fearest. And go on down to verse 30. That's okay, verse 30. Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Those are the words that make it very clear that no one was going to sit on that throne that came from that line through Joseph. Well, secondly, she's got to be committed. Not only must she have the right heritage and follow the right lineage to David, she had to be also committed to God and morally pure. And what do we see about Mary? Well, we know that Mary was committed because she was a virgin. She was someone who kept herself pure. We know that she served God because look at the Luke 138. This is from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version of the Bible. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. This was even before. When Gabriel appeared to her, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. In other words, I have been serving the Lord all my life. She was raised up that way. She was brought to the synagogue. She was taught the things of God. So what does that speak to our hearts? My brother, my sister, especially our young people, of course, they're not here right now, but they're being taught this. It pays to serve God. It pays to be a servant of the most high God. To live your life within the boundaries that God established for your existence. To live your life in such a way so as to honor him. Because when you live for him and you honor him, then he will honor you. Think about how she was honored just by a visit from Gabriel. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. She feared God. She walked with God. She served God from a youth all the way up. And at the age of 15, God saw her. As he looked even 700 years earlier, he saw her and singled her out. And he knew that she would live a life that was pure and holy as a servant of the Most High God. And he chose her. And of course, she was the one that he used. She's the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Now, I want to put it together. As we close, look at Hebrews chapter 10. And sometimes I think this is hard for people to follow, but I'm prayerfully making it easier for us to understand. Just as we see the reason, you know, why we have to explain Joseph's line and Mary's line back to David. Okay. Man could not be saved without the shedding of blood. The old covenant law could not provide the kind of blood that would redeem man from his fallen state. Back then, all the sacrifices that were made by all the priests, all the feast days that took place, the sacrificial lambs that were offered, the blood of bulls and goats could never, 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 ever, 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 ever possibly save mankind. So this is God's plan. Yeah, he's the lion and he's the lamb. For the law that served its purpose, 
had a shadow of things to come, good things to come, but not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. No matter how many sacrifices that were made, no matter how much animal blood that was shed, it could never, never, never appease God and reconcile God and man. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, and here it is, this is the unfolding drama that would be nice someday if we could possibly put on some kind of a Christmas skit and performance that would kind of put these two together. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high as the second person of deity. Mary is visited by an angel on earth. She's down here listening to what he says and has to make a decision to lean toward logic or logos, the word of God. And she makes a decision while she's on this earth, and she lifts up her head to the angel and says to him, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. While she's saying that, the word, the second person of deity on the throne, the word says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, a body you have prepared for me. When he cometh into the world, I've come to do thy will, O God. A body hast thou prepared for me. While she's saying, behold the handmaid of the Lord, he is saying, I'm coming into the world to do your will. Thank you for the body that you prepared for me. And boom, in her womb, the hypostatic union occurs. Wrap your brain around that. Think about that. When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, a body you have prepared me. I'm coming into the world to do your will, O God. She's saying, Be it done unto me according to your word. And guess what? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. We could lean toward our logic, reasoning, and understanding, or we can have the word become flesh. Take that into the realm of faith in which we live. We find out what God said in his word about our situations. And if we will say, I embrace your word above my logic, the word will become flesh. It will become a reality within our lives. Salvation, healing, deliverance, wholeness, financial uh, needs being met. Whatever it might be, a wayward a young person coming back to the Lord. Well, look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Powerful text. But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son made of a woman, not a man. Remember Genesis 3.15, it would be the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman made of a woman made under the law. 
to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Praise God. When Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, she was the son, he was the son that was given from heaven above, the word became flesh, and he took on human flesh through Mary, that's how he got his physical body, which means he's 100% God, 100% man, in this hypostatic union, and now the blood, life of the flesh is where? In the blood, the blood that's coursing through his veins is the only blood that is untainted with the Adamic sin nature. It is the pure blood. Oh, thank God we've not been redeemed with silver or with gold. He didn't come carrying a pouch with him of gold and silver and precious stones. He came housing the blood of the sacrifice that would redeem mankind once and for all throughout eternity. And it's found in one sacrifice. No wonder the sacrificial law, animals that were sacrificed come to an end. He put an end to it. It's over. No more. One sacrifice. And what happened? The infinite son became finite. Wrap your brain around that. The immortal became mortal. The creator became the created. The invisible became visible. Do you remember that dialogue with Peter? I mean, I'm sorry, with Philip in John 14. When Philip said to him, show us the Father, it sufficeth us. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. There's no difference. We are one. He became visible in the person of his son. The king of the universe was born in a stable. And then finally, the word became flesh. But look at Mary's faith. Let's just real quickly close it with Mary's faith. Mary's faith is seen in her service as a young person walking with God. When others may pull us away to influence to go in the wrong direction, to take the wrong path, like Eve did from the very beginning, don't forget this young teenage girl by the name of Mary who served God with her life. And because of her faith, she was able to serve him and God was able to use her. Number two, it is seen, her faith is seen also in her surrender. She surrendered herself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. She did not even hesitate when he said how you're going to conceive in your womb the Son of God. Did not hesitate whatsoever. Be it done to me according to your word. What a way to live. You talk about the kind of faith that we should walk in. Be it done unto me according to your word, Father. I want to embrace your word, live by your word, walk in your word. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth, which is walking in the word because the word is truth. So her surrender completely gave herself over, leaned toward not her understanding, but leaned toward her trust in the living God from her heart. And then thirdly, we see it's found in her success. She obtained favor. Oh, the world has its ideas as to what success is all about. And I'm sure you're being enticed in the world out there, people out there in the world. You're successful. Why? Because you live in that house, because you drive that car, because you have that bank account, because you have this, that, and the other thing. Let me tell you something right now. You can be a pauper, but successful in the eyes of the living God. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. I would rather know Jesus than all the wealth, have all the wealth and riches this world has to offer. You could put this whole world in, 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 in fence it in and just say it's yours if you'll just serve me. 
Let the devil say all he wants to say, praise God. There's nothing worth losing your eternal salvation because of something that's in this world. Nothing in this world can take the place of our eternal destination. Nothing whatsoever. She surrendered. She was successful because she found favor in the eyes of God. And are you ready for it? Come on up here, praise and worship team, because this is your, your cue here. Her faith is seen in her song. Her faith is seen in her song. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. I want you to, I'm going to put this in context now. Gabriel just left her. I can only imagine her mind being staggered. I can only imagine the darts coming against her head. All these thoughts flying around her head. But she immediately arose, and I looked it up, studied it to, uh, to see, she immediately left. It's, it's about 80 miles to where Elizabeth lived. It would take either a three to four day journey. She just got this revelation from Gabriel. She immediately leaves. She went to the hill country and with haste. In other words, she immediately left and took off into a city of Judah. Why would she go there? I'm sure because she found out Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist Zacharias is the priest. He should know more than she does. She's got some questions in her mind. She wants to go there and talk to her and talk to him about what just transpired. And Mary rose as she went to the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, that's John the Baptist, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. She's six months pregnant. And blessed is she that believed. And blessed is she that what? What did Mary do? What did Zacharias do? Not believe. What did Mary do? For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. He regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. He that is mighty hath done. No sign of pregnancy yet. It just happened three days ago, four days ago. No sign whatsoever, but he that is mighty hath done. Great to me, great things, and holy is his name. Hallelujah. Faith believes it receives, and faith doesn't have to have a physical evidence. And this woman's faith, this young girl's faith was so strong that no matter what logic said, biology said, reproduction said, it's done. And guess what? Zacharias's voice was silenced, which goes to teach us that doubt is terrible in the sight of God. Unbelief will keep people out of the promise of God. Unbelief will stop the work of God from being achieved and accomplished, which is why the angel says, you will not speak one more word until this child is born. You're not going to interfere with what God is doing with your doubt and unbelief. 
but her, she believed and she received, and now she has a song to sing. She's singing the song, the Magnificat, praise God. The Magnificat was what they call it, but praise God, it's a song of faith as she is praising God for what he's done in her, even though she has no physical evidence of it. So when they say these faith people are crazy, I'd rather be crazy in faith than wise in doubt and unbelief. Amen.